Come, Holy Spirit. As the psalmist says this afternoon, turn again and quicken us. Restore us, O God, our Savior. Come and fill us all up just to hear, speak, receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I hope I don't share a story out of turn, Mike, and please tell me if I do, but yesterday in a meeting that we had, the three of us, Mike, Gary, and I, um, we brought up that question again that Mike began us with, this idea of, are you a Christian or are you a disciple? And Mike just happened to say something about, I wasn't too sure about the question, I don't know, you know, if there's a theological problem with that or if anyone might have a theological problem with that, and as soon as he said that, I kind of raised my hand sheepishly and said, I kind of do. But the more we talked about it and the more, we, the more I've been thinking about it kind of ever since then, I've kind of come around to what might be going on there. Um, that idea, that question, are you a disciple or are you a Christian, part of my caution about it is this, that it opens up this window, this gap of those that claim the name of Jesus as fire insurance and then go on living as they please and think that everything's going to be okay. It was actually a... a, a semi-major, I don't know, it was a controversy in the evangelical church, maybe in the 80s and 90s with John MacArthur and few, uh, Fred Zaspel, maybe, I think, from Dallas. Um, it was called the Lordship Salvation Controversy. And there are books written about it now, and you can go look it up. And the, the question at the heart of that was whether you can accept Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. Right? If you can just say the words, pray the prayer, get Jesus into your heart, and then not have to follow him, and whether you'll end up in heaven is kind of the basic structure of the question. And I take a particular stance on that question. I don't think the answer is yes. I think uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior is a package deal. And in the way that we experience salvation, in the way that our story goes, we might have that gap. We might have the gap of, um, I confessed, believed, prayed the prayer, had Jesus received into my heart or whatever you say. And then it took me a while to come to this discipleship mode. But I think, I think personally, that the gap will always close. I mean, you will eventually, if you truly believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you truly believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not just Savior, but Lord, I believe if you do that, you're in, you're justified, you're saved, all those good things, but your life eventually begins to show it. I mean, you you can't help it, right? Because it's not you actually doing the work, the Spirit does the work in you, just as Paul said, right? I worked harder than any of them, but it wasn't I that was working. It was the grace of God that was in me. And so I think eventually the gap closes. And so I think ultimately in the final analysis, there shouldn't be a distinction between Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior. They eventually meet up. And that, I was keeping thinking of that, of our nomenclature, how we identify ourselves and how we speak, that idea of Christian versus disciple, because it's pretty clear that nowadays... Christian's the kind of, it's the moniker. It's the name we name. It's the the thing we call things. I mean, we have Christian shirts now and Christian TV shows and Christian movies and Christian music and 95% of it's bad, but it's Christian. I don't know how well those go together, but they do often, right? I mean, Christian's the adjective we use. It's the self-identifying thing that we use. And I wonder if part of what we need to do is just shift that, is just stop using that word so much and start using the language of Disciple, Because in Scripture, the very first time that Christian is used in Scripture, it is equivalent. It comes from Acts 11.26. 
When he had found him, that's Saul and Barnabas, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they had met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That is a one-to-one equivalency. There is no distinction there. Disciples and Christian mean the same thing. In his commentary on this verse, John Polhill says this, Luke appended the interesting note to verse 26 that the term Christians was first used to the disciples in Antioch. This may be of more significance than it might appear on first sight. The term only occurs in two other places in the New Testament, in Acts, or excuse me, two places, period, in Acts and 1 Peter. In all of these instances, the term is used by outsiders to designate believers. Evidently, the term was not originally used by the Christians of themselves. They preferred terms like believer, disciple, brother or sister. So in the very beginning, the self-description of the church and the description of the church that Jesus gives in Matthew 28 were the same. And this is one thing that kind of brought me around to Mike's way of thinking and speaking. When Jesus says in the Great Commission, he doesn't say go and make Christians. He says... What he identifies, what he wants, is go and make disciples. And there was a time when that meant the same thing as Christian. Right here in Acts and in 1 Peter, those were a one-to-one correspondence. But I think part of the reason we have the question in the first place is because those have become separated. Because we name all sorts of things as Christian, but disciple has become a distinct category. And if we can just recapture a little bit of self-identifying as a disciple of talking about our church as a community of disciples rather than a group of Christians, we might go some way to recovering that one-to-one correspondence that Scripture seems to indicate is the desired state of affairs. Um, Part of the reason I think that those two have to go together, we have to close that gap, is because theologically speaking, there is no gap between what we call sanctification and justification. John Calvin, the great Reformed theologian, called it the double grace. At the moment we confess Jesus Christ, at the moment faith is given into the heart by the Holy Spirit, that moment we are justified. That is the formal declaration that we are righteous in God's eyes. It's his court judgment. But Calvin said at the very same moment, we're given sanctification. It's the double grace. We get them at the same time. They, they both happen. They both occur onto the Christian at the same moment of conversion, you might say. And sanctification is not the declaration, but the reality that slowly and surely the Spirit is the one working in us to make us more like Jesus. Those two are given to us at the same time by the Spirit when God saves us. And so there is no gap, or at least there shouldn't be. And so I, I want us to become a church that closes that gap between Christian and disciple. Because in, in Scripture, there, there is no gap. and I, We're not perfect. We fail. I fail. But I think if we do that, then something very cool will happen. We'll start to become a community of disciples that sees something like the very first verse of, John, of Luke 5. That the people of the world are pressing in to hear the word of God. The image is so cool as if, I mean, the people are beating down the doors of the church to get inside because what's happening on the inside is so darn good. Because people are being healed, converted, 
Reconciliation is happening. Forgiveness is being spread. The people within the walls love each other so much that the world wants some of that. And then, the final piece to this puzzle is that we do what all disciples are called to do, and that's to go fish. That's what he says. Right? Now, from now on, all you disciples will be catching men. You'll be catching people. I don't like that particular call of the Christian. And it's intensified when you're a deacon. It's going to be more intensified when I become a priest, Lord willing, that we're all called to be fishers of people, fishers of the people outside the walls. You go out, you bring them in, and you convert them. At least God does it through you. And it could be a lot easier than I. I don't like street preaching. I really don't like going door to door. If Jesus tells me to, I guess I should, I will. Lord, if you say so, I'll let down the net. It's become a little easier when I'm out in public and people see me in a collar, right? But it it can be a lower bar than that. Invite someone to Bible study. Mention that we have a midweek Eucharist. Bring them to a book club. Tell them two minutes of your story, something God has done for you that you can't explain other than God did it. And then we can become that kind of community, slowly but surely, where the world is pressing in to hear the word of God. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.